Welcome back to edition number 38 of Talent Talk. Uh, I got to meet Grady Trimble, who we have on as our guest today. Back in November, he was nice enough to come down to Florida and uh, help out with our Hall of Fame ceremony, but he's also a, a grad, and now he's doing big things in the news industry. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So before we get into things, um, just give a little bit more of an introduction about yourself. Uh, sure. I uh, graduated from UNF. Uh, I played soccer uh, when I was there. I, I actually was only there for two years. I, I ended up graduating in three, um, and I transferred from Winthrop University in South Carolina to UNF, back home to Florida, from Clearwater originally, um, and uh, did a couple internships in news in Jacksonville. And then uh, after I graduated, I headed up to Maine for a few years, where I was reporting there. Uh, back down to Tampa where I got to report in my hometown area and now I work for uh, Fox Business and uh, I'm based in Chicago. Uh, going into your career, did you expect that this is where you would end up by, I'm assuming you're around 28, late 20s now? That was the goal. I, I had set a goal. I got here a little bit quicker than I uh, had uh, intended, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of studied the career paths of other people in broadcasting and, and news. And so I looked at what they did and tried to emulate them in the steps that I chose. So I deliberately picked a station in Maine where several people had, you know, gone on to the network from. Um, and so uh, I, I am pleased that it happened so quickly, but, uh, you know, it was sort of the goal all along as well. Yeah, I was curious about that. Obviously, being a Florida guy uh, and being down in the southeast and, you know, there, there are good stations down here. I know a lot of people start at other stations and they come here and then they go to even a bigger one kind of as you did. Yeah, what was what was that like going up to Maine? I know we spoke briefly about that, but how did that come about? Uh, well, I did. I sent out, I, I got a little tape together from my internship at First Coast News in Jacksonville and from stuff that I did while I was a student at UNF. And I sent it out to probably several dozen stations across the country without too much care for where it was. Um, went through the interview process with a few and ended up picking uh, one in Bangor, Maine. Moved there sight unseen and uh, <laughs> it was a big change. I moved in the summertime, I think in May or June. And uh, I just couldn't fathom that it would soon be covered in snow. Uh, but. <laughs> But there was a, a big snowstorm my first year there around Halloween, and it never stopped that entire season. It was record snowfall that winter, so I got a nice uh, introduction to what winter is actually like. And now I'm in Chicago, so <laughs> I deal with it here, too. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got some preparation up in Maine for the Chicago winters. <laughs> exactly. And this past one wasn't too bad. Except mm -hmm. now that everything's shut down, uh, well, it's starting to reopen, but when things were shut down and it was cold out, there wasn't a whole lot you could do. Mm -hmm. What was uh, that first experience covering news in that climate in Maine? Uh, it, was, it was kind of what I expected. Um, I was fortunate enough when I was in, you know, internships to, to basically do the job as an intern. So I knew what to expect. I knew that I'd be shooting my own video, writing my stories, editing my own stories, and then presenting it on air. Um, but you don't understand deadline pressure until you're under deadline pressure. And as a student, you know, your deadlines might be a couple weeks from when, uh, when you start. 
Whereas in news, your deadline is typically hours from when you start and you do a story in the same day. So that was a big change. Um, and obviously the climate was a big change. And anytime there was a storm, a snowstorm or whatever, uh, we were out in it, telling people not to go out in it, but we were out in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, go into the deadlines. I was going to ask you about that and, and knowing a little bit about that field. How would you explain the pressure of producing under deadlines to somebody not in news? It's really hard to explain because a lot of people, you know, my friends and stuff, we talk about work and they work on long term projects and have either days or weeks to, to complete them and make sure that they're perfect. Whereas in news, you know, it's very hard where if you're a perfectionist, you want to get it right. You want it to be perfect, but your number one job is to get it on the air. Um, so even if uh, it's not exactly what you had hoped for, you got to do it and you got to meet your deadline. And it's, it can be a lot of intense pressure and you're, you know, having to slam together uh, a lot of different elements that you've collected throughout the day quickly. Um, but it's also really rewarding to know that at the end of the day, it's over. You can, you know, move on to the next story the next day and kind of, put, if you had a bad day, you can put it in the past. And if you have a good day, you got to keep moving forward and mm -hmm. do it again the next day. Um, so that part of the job is uh, really uh, rewarding because you don't have to dwell on, if you're, if you're not enjoying a project, it usually doesn't last that long. Mm -hmm. What what does your schedule look like right now, if you have one, so to speak? Uh, it's it's actually typically uh, you know close to nine to five um, because it's a business network. So our primary shows are on during business market hours. Um, but you know we have some early starts, and I'm on Central Time, but all the shows are produced out of New York. Um, so we we've got an hour. Uh, that we when we have to show up somewhere at eight o'clock eastern it's seven o'clock central time so you know it, it's a, basically i live in east eastern time schedule in central time that's interesting yeah i didn't really think about that but now that makes sense and yeah you're... i didn't either anytime <laughs> i watch network news and now i have a great appreciation especially for the reporters on the west coast because they're three hours Oof. different yeah so yeah. if you see somebody uh, you know doing a seven o'clock live report on the west coast it's really you know four o'clock where they are sure <laughs> so have pity on them <laughs> Uh, the little things you learn, I guess, is is what it is. <laughs> right. So you're in the studio sometimes. I, I go went through your Twitter and I saw that you know sometimes you're doing a spot on TV or and you're in the studio, um, getting streamed in, and then sometimes you're out in the field. How often are you doing both? I would say uh, the majority of the time we're out in the field, uh, as I am right now. That uh, I'm at O'Hare Airport covering a travel story, and there's a loudspeaker going off right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would say the majority of time we're in the field, um, especially if where we are can add something to the story. So obviously this is an example. If if you're out in at the airport, you can talk to passengers, whereas if you were in the studio, you couldn't. But if it's more about uh, gathering information, uh, you know, and it's something that you can prevent from the studio, um, and you're going to be switching from a few switching through a few different stories that day, then you can do it from the studio, and you're not tied down to, you know, being stuck in one location all day. But most of the time, uh, especially the uh, the other reporter and I here in Chicago, we spend a lot of time out in the field. 
which I like. How often are you going outside of the city? Um, I've seen that you've been in Michigan, you've been in Wisconsin. Uh, how often are you traveling? Uh, lately, not as much. Um, we're not flying right now for obvious reasons. Um, before that, though, we would travel quite a bit. And actually leading up to all of this from, you know, uh, December through March, we were, we were traveling quite a bit. And uh, our region is the Midwest, but we travel elsewhere, too. So actually, when all of the shutdowns uh, were put into place. I was in Florida covering uh, spring training games, being in jeopardy because of the coronavirus. Mm. And then when the fans went into the stadium that day, spring training was going on just as normal. And then when they walked out of the stadium that day, uh, every major sports league had canceled their or postponed their season and spring, spring training was done uh, as well. So uh, that's, you know, the last time basically that we traveled any distance, uh, other than driving distance and breaking it. We can travel for breaking news still as well. Mm -hmm. So go back to that, the shutdown, what was that first week of, of coverage and kind of figuring out what you guys were doing? Like, it was exhausting. Um, we had, I in particular, and just we as a network had covered coronavirus quite a bit leading up to everything getting shut down because we were following how it was impacting businesses in China, like the auto industry and uh, tech, Apple. Um, and so, you know, it was something that we, we watched from afar, but for me, it was really real, you know, once it was here and uh, it was intense. I mean, we, we kind of knew what to expect. And so for that reason, it allowed us to anticipate our coverage. Um, because we had seen it happen elsewhere in China and Asia and in, in Europe. Um, but, you know, until you're going through it yourself, it, it's, uh, you can't understand what it's like to shut down an entire economy until it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, our coverage was grueling. We were starting early and ending later. And um, that's just how it is when something big is happening. And this is, you know, the biggest economic story of the past 10 years or so so uh you, you sleep later <laughs> once yep. the story's covered yeah you, you sleep better once they're done too you get, you get <laughs> but it's hard to it's it's hard to have them done when it's an ongoing thing and you said that you were doing zoom interviews uh what were some of the other changes that you guys had to make uh the i mean the biggest thing was um you know not being able to really interact with people you know we do a lot of stories inside businesses but all the businesses were shut down and we uh, do interviews almost every day and nobody was out and about for us to interview so we we started to talk to people over zoom if we were out in the field doing interviews we had a boom pole that we put the microphone on to try to keep our distance with people um and then you know you're a little nervous working with uh, multiple people in your crew um, you know, you don't want to get close to the photographer. They don't want to get too close to you, um, which, you know, it, it, it's suitable for that anyway. It works without, uh, you can maintain social distance and do what we do for the most part, as we've learned. Um, but we were still out in the field every single day. I know a lot of reporters, um, you know, worked out of home studios and a lot of our anchors did as well and still are. Um, but we were out in the field almost every day trying to limit our interactions and just uh, do the best we could uh, while still uh, uh, keeping those social distancing guidelines in place. What were some of those stories that you were covering? Um, 
you know, throughout the COVID-19 uh, situation there in March, April, May, and, and ongoing, obviously. Uh, yeah, I cover the auto industry a lot. Um, so we were covering the different plants shutting down. Um, and we had seen that happen overseas and then it happened here. So we knew it was coming and then it did. Um, and then we covered the subsequent reopening. Um, I'm trying to think in the beginning, uh, sports was huge. Uh, when, when all, you know, like I mentioned, we were at a spring training game when all, all of the seasons were postponed and, uh, and then since then we've covered kind of the behind the scenes talks that are going on to try to bring them back. Um, and, you know, these are things that just the average person cares about, but they also have huge um, uh, business implications as well, as we're seeing with the ongoing uh, del deliberation with the MLB and uh, the other sports leagues to try to figure out how to move forward with a season when you can't have a big crowd. What have you learned about your profession and just in general during this period of news coverage? I would say maybe not so much something that I learned, but something that it reiterated is that the show must go on. Every single person at our network figured out a way to get on air, regardless of the challenges that we were facing. You know, people were going live from their phones. People were uh, guests that are regulars on our shows were Skyping in instead of going into the studio. Uh, you know, we, we just had to adapt. We had no choice and we were able to. Um, and, you know, it, we're fortunate that we were able to because it's a time when people are relying on us for information and news. And the vast majority of people were at home with not a lot to do except to watch the news and stay up to date with what's going on. So uh, it, it was a privilege, too, in a way, to be able to be the ones who are still delivering critical information to people um, at a time when they, they are basically stuck at home. Right. That was one thing that I found striking was I was going through some of your tweets and you were talking about the NFL draft and uh, a lot of people will just not think of now, wow, this actually, you know, it's not happening in person, but there are so many more technical implications of it. How stressful is it to handle those things? Because as you know, a lot of things can go wrong when you're going live from multiple places. Yeah, fortunately for us, um, it didn't really affect what we do because we just still have our one camera and our, our unit mm -hmm. that we use to go live. So it didn't change much. But what it did change is all of the people who are now not coming into our studio in New York or in Chicago or L.A. or wherever it is, they're not able to. So behind the scenes, there, there are a lot more people uh, Skyping in. But for every uh, Skype call that comes in, it has to be routed onto our air and there's only so many uh channels that it can be routed through so i know people have been working behind the scenes juggling all of that and trying to make sure that every skype guest can get on when they're supposed to be and technical issues have come up but you know you know how it goes when you're trying to zoom or skype somebody and the audio goes out in the mm -hmm. middle of the call and <laughs> then if you have a reporter who wasn't supposed to be up for another five minutes they might start early because they you know are there to fill the time while the guest comes back so uh you know we we juggle things uh as they're happening and try to roll with the punches the best we can yeah, the show must go on once again, and I've seen that, exactly. and, you know, reporters handle that and, and how they go about it, but once you're in it, it's kind of 
okay, I've got to act. <laughs> yeah, well, and I have to give credit to, uh, I forgot to mention this, to all of our producers and editors. Uh, a lot of them are working from home still, and it's it, it adds an extra technical challenge when you're trying to do what you normally do from your desk at work, and it's set up for the system to go to our air and technically that's there's so many more layers to doing it from home um so they've risen to the occasion as well um and a lot of them are still working from home and you know you would never know that watching our our channel how how many interviews are you having a day you know you're at here right now and obviously you're looking for people to talk to what's the average number if there is one uh, there isn't really one. It just depends on the story. Some are more driven by uh, other people's reaction. Like today, we're talking about mask requirements on planes. And so uh, I talked to a handful of people to make sure that I got a variety of responses. Um, and then other stories, you don't necessarily need to interview somebody to be able to talk about whatever you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So just very dependent on each story. How does a journalist go about finding that balance and, and doing those other things that they need to do to just kind of get that equilibrium in life? Because it can be hard, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, I think it's about finding, you know, things that you enjoy doing outside of work, just like any job, finding the work-life balance. Like for me, I, I run almost every day. So that's a way to kind of relieve the stress and get outside and kind of clear my head if it's been a long day or a busy day. Um, and, and, you know, talking with friends and talking with family, that kind of thing. Um, during that time, it was an exception because it was hard to escape it. But, you know, now people are, have started to, you know, move on as the reopening has started and uh, we're able to talk about other things again. And mm -hmm. also, I will say, it helps to not try to um, speculate about what's going to happen because when you start to think about all the ramifications of everything it's important to go through those thoughts and think of the possibilities but if you jump to doom and gloom and that's all you're thinking about then it can really add to the stress of of, of it so it became for me just like just just co cover today's story cover today's story and just keep doing that each day yeah. And I mean, I think it just the essence of being a reporter, it really is such a day to day existence, like you said, and you have new projects every day that I think it it's going to just it's suffocating to think I have X amount to do in a week or I have X amount of stories that are going to come up in a week. <laughs> yeah. Eat one story at a time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what you know, and, and um, one story at a time, one game at a time. You're also a player. I know you run now. Uh, you're a soccer player. Uh, and you played at UNF. How did you balance that time when you were trying to pursue this career? Because I'd imagine that would have been pretty difficult to have these types of internships while also being a student athlete at a Division One level. Yeah, it was at times. I remember one summer I had two internships, uh, one at a radio station in Jacksonville, one at First Coast News. And so, and I was, you know, doing my summer training for soccer. So I would wake up early, do my summer workouts, uh, go home, get ready to go to the radio internship, which was from uh, like two to seven or so. And then from there, I'd go to the TV station and work up until the 11 o'clock newscast and then go home and do it all again the next day. <laughs> but, you know, if you know what you want to do and you know how to get there, you just got to do it. So what choice do you have? 
and I, time management is so important in news. And so what better way to learn time management than be a student athlete and uh, learn it then. Why did you want to be in news? Uh, I have always wanted to ever since I really started considering any type of career seriously. I grew up with the network news on in my house just about every morning. And when I started to really consider what jobs I would want to do and what jobs I would be good at, I just kind of said, oh, I could do that. And then ever since then, you know, as a naive middle schooler uh, to, to high school where you start to understand what, what it entails to college where you really figure out what it entails, I never deviated. It was the only thing I wanted to do. And, and so uh, in that sense, I was fortunate because I know a lot of people who kind of figured it out later or, you know, college was that process where they um, did a bunch of different classes and tried to figure out which ones appealed to them the most. I was fortunate enough to know it and um, or foolish enough <laughs> I guess, <laughs> and, and to know it and stick to it. Sure. So for those that don't know, you also were at Winthrop before UNF and then you came to UNF and continued playing. Uh, what was the process to getting to UNF and why was it UNF that you ended up coming to? Uh, it was weird, uh, to be honest, because once I started college, I never really planned on transferring. Um, but I'm glad I did because I wanted to be back in Florida, um, something that I never thought I would have said uh, mm -hmm. uh, after when I, you know, when I was in high school about to leave for college. Um, but I wanted to be back in Florida, so uh, I, I was fortunate that my club team, I was a year older than everybody else on my team, so my club team was still playing at the time uh, that I started college. So after my first soccer season, I went back, uh, played with my team again, and uh, essentially got re-recruited the same way that I did the first time around. That's when Derek uh, Marinados, who's still the coach now, uh, saw me at a at a showcase tournament uh, at Disney, and uh, next thing I know, I was signing for the second time. <laughs> sure. How was uh, playing at UNF? Do you have any favorite memories on the field or off the field? Uh, it's a bittersweet memory because we, uh, my senior year, made it to the uh, conference uh, finals and mm -hmm. lost. Um, but that was a huge moment for us because the, the first year I was there. Uh, we didn't, I don't think we even made it to the conference tournament. Um, and we really struggled because uh, when Coach Derek came in, he was basically building the team from the ground up um, and had recruited a bunch of new people, but we were all young. Um, I was a sophomore and I was one of the, you know, older guys on the yeah. team. Um, so, so to go from, you know, having a, a rough season to making it to the, I think it was either conference finals or semifinals but that was huge you know at the time now I can't even remember <laughs> which, which it was <laughs> I'm sure Derek would correct me if um, but uh you know to to see that progress just over the two years was a big deal what advice would you give somebody that you know either wants to be a d1 athlete or also wants to be a d1 athlete in the multimedia world uh I would say the advice generally is the same as uh, anything. Figure out what it is you want to do. Figure out how other people before you have gotten there and um, put yourself on that same path. I mean, it, it's simple when it's said, but that's 
genuinely, you know, what I did is just with soccer, it was, you know, figure out what other people did to play division one. And with what I do now, it was figure out what other people did to, to get to a network reporting level. Any other words you want to share? Anything you want to uh, touch on real quick? I always ask that question at the end of interviews. And sometimes <laughs> people will say something really enlightening that you hadn't thought to ask. But right? I've got <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I figured I'd at least give you one chance to be the interviewee this time. So I appreciate yeah, it. Was it. Weird. <laughs> weird, but I, I appreciate the chance all right grady trimble thank you again for making time i know it's busy uh and i really appreciate it thanks brock take care before we take off continue to follow everything that is going on in unf athletics as we continue to post content on our social media accounts unf ospreys on twitter along with all the sports specific accounts north florida ospreys on facebook unf ospreys on instagram and of course unfospreys.com Thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys here next week.